0: creditor is come the creditor is come to take away my two sons and to sell them into slavery that's murphy translation but that's what it means and Elisha said unto her what shall i do for thee tell me what do you have in your house not at your church What do you have in your house? And she said, Thine handmaid, I don't have anything in my house but a pot of oil. And he said, Go, borrow thee vessels abroad of all thy neighbors, even empty vessels. Borrow not a few. And when thou art come in, thou shalt shut the door upon thee and upon thy sons, and thou shalt pour it out into all those vessels." And thou shalt set aside that which is full. So she went from him and shut the door upon her and her sons, who brought the vessels to her, and she poured out. And it came to pass, when the vessels were full, she said to her son, Bring me yet a vessel. And he said unto her, There's not a vessel more. We don't have any more. And the oil quit flowing." The oil stayed, it quit flowing, stopped. And she came and told the man of God, and he said, Go sell the oil, pay the debt, and live thou and thy children off of the rest, off of what's left over. I want to preach to you today with all of my might for the next couple hours. Thank you. The value... Of an empty vessel, the value of an empty vessel. Everybody say, "Thank the Lord for the word." Thank you you for standing, and you may be seated. It is so much fun being saved. Is it not? Does anybody agree with that statement? And it's okay to believe in stuff you don't understand. It's okay to believe in what you. Do not understand. I use a light switch all the time. And I don't fully understand it. The Israelites ate manna for 40 years in the wilderness in the Old Testament. They never did understand how that happened. I've had the baptism of the Holy Ghost for 49 years. And I still don't understand all of it. So what? I still love it. I still love a relationship with God... I love being saved. (laughs) Hallelujah! But along with the infilling of the Holy Ghost, all of the promises of God are full of power and blessing. And today, right here at Grace Church, I believe that God is looking for a place to have those promises performed. Well, they already did in the baptistry. When Jonah went down and came back up, all of his sin that he ever committed and his little six and a half year old life went away and they're gone forever. Anybody remember that day when that happened to you? Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. And I believe that there is an insatiable hunger and desire among God's people to believe and receive God's promises. But I also believe that there's an insatiable hunger in the heart of God to pour out those promises. I don't believe we're having to beg God for anything here this morning. I believe God wants to do it. Somebody shout yes. Yes. Thank the Lord. The scripture I just read is about a woman whose husband died, and because she didn't have the wherewithal to pay her husband's debts, the creditors, this was the culture back then in the Old Testament, The creditors were coming to take her two sons and sell them into slavery to pay the debt that her husband had left behind. Let me bring this into perspective, all of you parents that have kids. Let me talk to Dustin and Genevieve since Jacob was just baptized. What if he passed away, leaving you debt, and somebody came and took your two boys and sold them into slavery to pay back that debt? This is no easy situation for anybody. But this is where she was at. I want to say something in passing here today that the world, sin, the devil, is a creditor. And he wants your kids. He probably wants them more than you do. Thank the Lord. Everybody said amen. The world is knocking on the door of your home right now and it wants your kids it wants to take our kids from us and in some cases here today it already has moms and dads listen to pastor we must empty ourselves of our own worldliness our own sin and get ourselves right before god we must get in our prayer closet And pray for our kids every day. Pray for a blood covering over them every day. Ask God to keep a hedge around about them every day, every day, every day. If you don't do it, nobody else will. And if you don't do it, the world will have at them. Believe you me, he will. So the prophet asked Elisha, or excuse me, the prophet Elisha asked the woman, What do you have in your house? You want the promises of God fulfilled? I'm asking Grace Church that. You want the promise of God fulfilled in your life? What do you have in your house? It starts in the home. So I'll ask you again. What do you have in your house? Or what do you have in your house that's hindering it? Church isn't where it starts. The home is. Our home should be a place of prayer and worship. Our homes should be places of Christ-likeness. Our homes should be a place of honor and respect and discipline and accountability. Some of our homes have too much worldliness and bad attitudes and inconsistency and fussing and arguing and unfaithfulness. Then you come to the house of God and you want pastor to really get down on it, so you leave a terrible home environment, come to church where there's a great environment, and then you go back home to a terrible environment and wonder why all the God stuff and the church stuff don't work in your life. What do you have in your house? The creditor knocked on your door and you let the creditor in. Let me remind all of you of this, those that have some Bible knowledge underneath you. Noah had an altar before he had a home. And we have too many of our homes without altars. Elisha, or the pastor, gave this woman direction. There's too many among us that disregard the preacher and the preaching and teaching of the Word of God. You're making a mistake when you do that. God sent this woman a preacher, a prophet, a pastor. She owed money. God didn't send her a bank, a finance company, or a loan officer. God didn't find her a cool place to work making a lot of money. He sent her a preacher. God has chosen that through the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. The Bible said that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of the Lord. Somebody clap your hands to the Lord this morning. Let me remind all of you folks God has chosen to use preachers to impact the lives of people. The things of God don't always come through your favorite song or your favorite music and singers. It doesn't come through your particular church preferences. What you need from the Lord comes from the Word of the Lord. What you need from the Lord comes from the Word of the Lord and through the mouth of the preacher. Notice King Saul of the Old Testament. He had a preacher and musician in his life and home, and he chose the musician. He ended up with a bad attitude. He lost his kids and ultimately his throne in his life because he chose music over the preacher. I'm sorry, did I say something here? that's? uh... So Elisha looked at the woman and said, What do you want? It's so tragic to me, and I've seen it over and over through the years, that people don't invite the preacher into their lives until their homes are falling apart, their kids are falling apart, their marriage is falling apart. It's sad. I preach faithfulness, giving. I preach parameters. I preach holiness and so on. But people don't want to hear it until their lives are falling apart and things around them are a disaster. If we could only understand the necessity of staying close to God and being faithful in prayer and Bible study, what's in your house? I'm asking you today, what's in your house? If you'll invite the presence of God into your house, you can start turning things around in your house today, immediately. Invite God into your life, into your home, into your mind, into the way you think. Pick up the Bible and start reading it. Get on your knees somewhere and start praying and see the revival you can have in your own home. The woman said... Well, I have a pot of oil. If you have the oil, the presence of God, now all you need to go along with that is an empty vessel. God has promises and power and miracles. God has promises and power and miracles. He just needs a place to put it. Are y'all on board with me yet this morning? Y'all, y'all doing all you all right out there? Okay. Thank the Lord. Thank you for that. He just needs a place to put it. And you may say, well, but I'm a nothing and I'm a nobody and all that. God says, perfect. Are you empty? It's not about who you are. It's about what you're full of. Amen. If you'll give him a vessel, he'll give you the oil. Give God something that he can pour into You'll notice today that the woman helped God with her miracle. She helped God with her miracle. I said a couple of Sundays ago that you can set a distance between you and God. You can serve God as close as you want to or not. You you establish that distance. Well, you can also determine the magnitude of impact by the presence of God in your life. You can choose the impact that you want out of that. You can help God by how much... The miracle you're asking for will impact you. God has promises, blessings, and miracles the size of an ocean. And we show up with a thimble. God, help us today to empty ourselves out so God can pour more of himself in us. God, help us to repent daily to keep ourselves empty of sin and the world and stay full of the Holy Ghost. Elisha told the woman, close the door of your house and start pouring oil. I want to plead with somebody here today. Our married couples, our young married couples with kids at home, it's time to close the door and turn the television off and turn off Facebook and Instagram and all that other stuff and start pouring some oil in your house. Have a prayer meeting in your house. Stop fussing and cussing with each other and bring back the presence of God into your home and see what God will do. Hallelujah. Hallelujah said close the door and start pouring. So now her miracle is not only for her, now it's becoming a family affair. Her sons started helping her. The Bible said she said unto her sons, she said unto her sons, when mama gets inspired, look out, buddy. I know it from my own house that I grew up in. I know it for being married for almost 42 years. When you get mama inspired, you better go sit down somewhere and just keep your mouth shut and let mama have her way, right? When you get somebody inspired by God, inspired by the Holy Ghost, walking around in your house, and they're full of the Holy Ghost, and their heart's right with God, and their mind is right with God, you can close the door, buddy, because the oil is going to start flowing. God, I feel the Holy Ghost. it's a family affair and when the oil started flowing mama got inspired and she told her sons I need more vessels go get more vessels the more I pour the, the, the pot's not emptying of oil I pour it in here and it fills up an empty vessel and I still have oil so I need more vessels it's always that way with God the more emptiness we bring him You know why? Uh, We we had this conversation with some of our ministry team several weeks ago that I asked them to work the altars every Sunday, and they do an amazing job. But somebody commented, Pastor, it just seems like it's it's the same ones every Sunday, every Sunday. You know why? They're the empty ones. The reason some of you other folks don't ever come down here and anything amazing happen to you is because you're not empty. What I'd like to ask today is, what are you full of? The more empty vessels. And this is a direction I feel God pulling Grace Church right now. We need to get some empty people in here. We need some, we need some folks that don't know Jesus. Either all the way or no way or whatever way you want to say it. If they're unchurched, they need Jesus. And we need to get some empty veil. You want the Holy Ghost to start falling? God needs something empty. He can't pour into nothing that's full. All right. So let me begin my sermon about right here. If you'll notice a screen. When we hear the Word of God... And it begins to lead us on a path of divine intervention. Y'all remember that sermon several weeks ago? We don't always get inspired because reason always attacks faith and causes doubt. We reason things in our mind. I'm up against something right now that reason is just destroying me right now along a certain line. You may find out about that in a few Sundays. But... um we, we get inspired at church and, and we get inspired during preaching and we get inspired during the altar service and then Monday morning rolls around and you start reasoning it all out and saying, I just don't see how my marriage is going to work, man. I don't see any hope for my kids and I don't see any hope for a job and I don't see any hope for this. And reason starts taking over and causes doubt and the oil quits flowing because now you're full of doubt. Let me tell you folks something here today. We have to learn how to get past our senses. Our five senses. We all have, most everybody has five. Hearing, seeing, tasting, smelling, and touching. Our five senses are of the natural, and they are not designed to discern the spiritual. They're not designed to discern the spiritual. Our five senses belong to the natural man. And when we try to figure out or comprehend or reason the spiritual inside of our natural abilities, it always ends up a fail. Jesus said in John chapter 3, that which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of spirit is spirit. So there has to be a bridge between the spirit and the flesh if we're going to understand anything about God. Are y'all on board so far? We have to learn how to abandon our five natural senses. The spirit realm or the God realm is spirit or spiritual. The Bible said, Jesus said, God is a... Spirit, all right? This is the sixth sense. You can't engage God through your natural senses. To engage God, you have to get out of your natural senses and into the spirit realm, and that requires faith. It requires faith, not seeing, not hearing, not smelling, not tasting, not touching. It requires faith. Everybody said faith. Faith. Okay. We are human, but we are also spirit. God made us that way. God is a spirit and our spirit is dead to him until we're born again. So how does God what does God use to impact us, communicate with us, move in our lives? What does he use? He uses words. God uses words we have God's word we have the word of God right that's what we call it so God uses words everybody say words John 1 says in the beginning was the word God uses words God used words to create everything he made he said let there be light and there was light So when we hear His Word, it should mix with our faith and we determine how far we will go down the path of divine provision and guidance. When we choose to believe His Word through faith, then we become a candidate for His will and purpose. Now watch this. The reason God struggles with us and sometimes when we struggle with God is because we are the only part of creation that was not created by His spoken word. We were made out of matter that He had already created. We were formed by the hands of God, and He breathed into us. Thank you, praise team. It's His breath. In our lungs, so we pour out our praise, all right? So we were formed out of matter that was already created by the spoken word of God, and God breathed into Adam, and he became a living soul. So, when you were born again, the Bible says that we are begotten by the word of God. So now you can know God and live for God by believing and obeying His word. You don't use your high... You don't use your nose, your mouth, you hear, you don't touch, you don't taste. You don't use that. You use your faith. Everybody said faith. Y'all on board? All right. So you can live for God by believing and obeying His Word. And this is why we will be judged by the Word of God in the last day. I'm coming back to this in a moment. Let me go back to the woman in our Scripture text for a minute. When she stopped bringing empty vessels, the oil stopped. When God can't find anything empty, the oil ceases to multiply. It's the empty ones that are ministered to. When we come to church and we're full of all kind of sin and worldliness and carnality, the oil doesn't flow. We're full of something else. But I'm happy to report that the oil is here right now. And it is flowing. Why? Because God knows that there's people here today that are empty. Are y'all understanding this? It's fixing to get even more than this. I'm I'm just now getting into my message. Okay. So the oil is here right now and it's flowing because God knows there's people here, hearts and lives, that are empty. Okay. All of you should have been given a bag when you walked through the door everybody have your bag? Why don't you take it out and open it? Everybody has bags. Listen to that. You men, I'm not talking about the person sitting next to you. I'm talking about this man. How much is this worth to you? When you get home today, I'm asking you to take these home. We don't want to clean up your mess when you leave. You can have this bag. But how much is it worth to you? Very little, right? Hardly nothing. When you get home with this bag, you might look at it, you might not. You'll wad it up and throw it in the garbage can, and that's okay. What you don't realize is the value of this when you need it. Everybody on board? What we must understand is that for virtually every product that is marketed and sold, it needs an empty container to put it in so the consumer can take it home. Y'all not hearing me right now. This just went right over. The Bible talks about God filling people with the Holy Ghost. God has a product, but he needs something empty to put it in. Y'all still aren't. Y'all aren't hearing me. Watch this. Does anybody recognize this picture if y'all put it on the screen? Does anybody recognize that? I'm not talking about the people. When you go to your favorite neighborhood, Walmart, I'm talking about that little carousel right there. That's at the end of the cash register. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Raise your hand if you know what I'm talking about. I'll just, okay, everybody knows what I'm talking about. Do you realize how value that is? What if you went to Walmart and bought $200 worth of groceries and they didn't have any bags? Now you understand the value, right? What you just purchased is really irritating and really frustrating. If you don't have anything to put it in. When Jesus gave his life on the cross, he has something to pour out into us, and he gets really frustrated. Let's go back to that $200 worth of groceries. What if you had to just carry, you know, five or six cans of peas and beans and uh, a bag of flour And a sack of sugar, and you have to carry that out to your car, set it down, walk back in the store, and then you got to pick up diapers, and you got to pick up laundry detergent, and you got to pick up your ham sandwich stuff and your meat, and you tote that out to the car. You don't understand the value of this until you have something you need to put in it. And I'm preaching to you this morning from God's point of view God only knows what he has available to all of us consumers here today, if we could empty ourselves of our junk and our stuff and our attitudes and the way we think and our traditions and the way we perceive. You have to understand the value of an empty vessel this old Walmart bag, we keep them. We keep them in our house. We don't keep very many. I got this one from our house this morning. There ain't nothing in it. But, buddy, it sure is handy. When I have an armload of stuff to carry up to the church, i will just go look under our counter, and I'll get me a Walmart bag. Sure is handy, ain't it? Y'all getting on board? See if you recognize that right there. That's a little checkout person at Walmart. And she's put stuff in a bag. You can see it right there. Boy, that bag has a lot of value now when you don't have to make eight trips back and forth to your car. Have you ever gone to a restaurant and ordered a cold drink? You understand how much that's worth right there? But if they bring you a cold drink, they just bring it out in the picture. And they just say, uh, did you order Diet Coke? Yes, sir, I did. Hold out your hand. You realize the value of that? Whatever your favorite beverage may be, it can be awesome and it can be wonderful. But if you don't have a container to put it in, it's not worth 10 cents. Did anybody get me? Y'all feel me here today? All right, watch this. Watch this. Let's keep it going. Let's say you order the Papa John's Pizza Place. Thank you, Wendy and Rachel, for the box. You order a hot pizza from Papa John's, and you've been waiting 30 minutes. The guy, Wendy, finally shows up. see her in Wingstop more than I do Papa John's, for crying out loud. But she finally shows up with your pizza. And rings the doorbell. And you're standing there with a check and a generous tip for the pizza delivery person. And when you open the door, your pizza ain't in a box. She's just standing there holding the pizza. And the cheese is running down, the pepperonis and the tomato sauce and the mushrooms and anchovies and all that they just run right out on your porch and they're all down there on the step and she says here's your pizza I need my money I don't know how much these boxes cost Papa John's I'd like to know I don't imagine it costs very much and no there's not a pizza in it but I'm here to tell you today when you want a pizza delivered to your house this box has a whole lot of money it's worth a whole lot of money it's worth a bottle anybody feel me now y'all on board with me now we got to have the box. This box might be worth three or four cents to Papa John's to have them made because they have so many of them made all the time. But, buddy, it sure is a blessing to have it when you need a pizza. You want prayers answered? You want miracles and signs and wonders in your life? God's saying, okay, I just need... An empty vessel. I just need a an empty bag. I mean, if you'll uh, not throw this away, so often. See, what we have to understand is God values your emptiness. The devil wants to take your emptiness and just do this when he's all done with you and just throw you away. That's what the devil wants to do, and that's what the devil is doing. To countless thousands and millions of people around the planet, but I'm here to preach to somebody. I don't care who you are. I don't care where you're from. I don't care where your pa- what your past has been like. Who your parents are doesn't matter. What's happened in your life in your past doesn't matter. If you're empty, you are the very thing that God is looking for this morning to pour all of Himself into. All right. Y'all ready for I'm not going to preach too much anymore, y'all pretty much. I want to teach for a few minutes. So we're going to calm down, and I want to share with you some Bible. The importance of the vessel. So when God formed Adam out of the clay and breathed into him the breath of life, and he, he became, when that happened, Adam became the monarch of the planet. He was God's vice-regent ruler, if you will. The Bible said in Genesis 28, 128, watch this. God blessed them, Adam and Eve, and said unto them, Adam and Eve, Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it, and have dominion. That's power and authority. Have dominion is power and authority over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, and over every living thing. That moves on the earth. That includes a serpent. Yeah. Y'all got it? Y'all with me? Okay. okay. Psalm 115, 16 says, The heaven, even the heavens, are the Lord's. But the earth he hath given to the children of men. Okay. Now Adam was given two things by God when God created him. God gave Adam his power because Adam had God's nature. He was created in the image of God. God's nature is life, holiness, purity, and power. And and God was able to give Adam authority because Adam was born here, was created out of this planet. You can have power, but that don't mean you have the authority to use it. Don't you understand the difference between power and authority? Okay. We all understand that. But Adam was given God's authority because he was of the earth or born here. Adam was born of and from the earth. In other words, Adam was not an alien. Aliens have no rights. Only the homeborn have rights. It's called citizenship. It's like people who go from one country to another illegally. They are classified as illegal aliens. And they have no rights. John said in John chapter 10 that the devil is a thief and a robber because a thief makes illegal entry or trespasses. So when the devil showed up in the Garden of Eden that day, he was a trespasser. He was an alien. He was of another world. He had no rights here. The devil was angel species, not of this earth. So although he had power, he did not have the authority to use it because he wasn't from here. So the devil manifested himself as a serpent. The reason he used the serpent was because He was not of this earth, and he needed a body or an empty vessel that was of this earth. The devil can't speak words from the spirit realm. He had to step into the realm of the earthy and manifest himself in something that is of the earth. So he chose a serpent. The reason why is the serpent did not have dominion and authority and had no wherewithal to resist him. He couldn't use a human. And he knew it because God gave him power and authority. And they could look at the devil and say, Go take a hike, dude. You're not of here. I'm I'm the boss here. In this earth, I'm the one that God gave dominion to. And the devil knew that. He knew that Adam and Eve were made in the image of God, and they were made of this earth, so they had God's power, and they had God's authority. So he didn't try to manifest himself in one of them. Adam had the power and the authority to rebuke the serpent and cast the devil out of the earth, but for whatever reason, he didn't do it. Now watch. Some 4,000 years later, when Jesus comes on to the earth in the form of a man, the devil is scratching his head, figuratively speaking. And when the devil heard the choirs of angels that night in Bethlehem singing, Glory to God in highest, and peace on earth, goodwill to all men, he is thinking, How can this be? What is all this about? Watch this. The angels told the shepherds, Glory to God in highest, peace on earth, goodwill to all men. For unto you this day is born. So Jesus could use his power and authority here because he was born here. God is the judge over all the earth, and the devil is smart enough to know that God has to abide by his own laws and his own rules. God could not violate his own law by coming and saving Adam and Eve from the spirit realm when they were in the Garden of Eden. So God tells the devil, you know what, you're right about all this stuff. I need to be here on earth legally, and I must be born here. So let me see if I can find an empty vessel. All I need is a pizza box. All I need is a Walmart bag. All I need is a lunch bag. All I need is an empty glass. Let me see If I can find me an empty vessel. What I'm looking for specifically is a young virgin girl that will lend to me her empty womb for about nine months. He needed a vessel. He needed a body. So he finds Mary and not to violate her will, He asked her if this is okay, and she said yes. And then he goes to her fiancé Joseph and asked him and said, Can I borrow her for about nine months? And then when I'm done, she's all yours. I just need a vehicle, a vessel. I need a body. Watch this. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 4. I'm trying to hurry. For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and goats should take away sins. Wherefore, when he cometh into this world, he saith, Sacrifice and offering thou wouldest not but a... Body hast thou prepared for me. Not only is our initial salvation dependent on upon God getting Himself a vessel or body for our salvation, but it's dependent upon letting God use our body right now to ultimately save us. So when the Holy Ghost overshadowed Mary and she conceived, so now Mary is pregnant with a promise and is expecting a miracle why because she was empty and she was willing to give herself over to the will and purpose of god so about nine months later about nine months later heaven is getting ready to celebrate Heaven is getting ready to celebrate as they see Mary is about to go into labor and heaven is not going to let this one go unnoticed. So God sends a choir that has been practicing one line of a song for 4,000 years and Mary is somewhere in a stable somewhere and a major going, ooh, 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 And Joseph's going, push, 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 push. And ooh, 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 ooh. <gasps> ooh, ooh, ooh. And heaven is saying, is she ready? Is she ready? Has she delivered the baby yet? Has the baby been born yet? And they, they will wait, wait, wait. Gabriel is said, hang on. You can't sing yet, y'all. Hang on up there. Hang on. Hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. Now go, sing. And they start singing. And I don't know how many angels filled the sky that night, but they said, God has brought himself to this earth. And to this planet. And they're singing glory to God and the highest peace on earth and goodwill to all men. And born, born, born unto you this day in the city of David. So because of that, we have a legal right to redemption. Because God manifested himself in flesh. I wish I had time to talk to you about Jesus' name, baptism, and all that, but my time's gone. Jesus came looking for empty vessels. The Bible said, the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. People misquote that scripture all the time. He's looking for empty people or people who may be full of sinful things. He's looking for people who will empty themselves out of themselves. Get you out of you. All your past, get that out. Your mom and daddy might have been horrible and your aunt and uncle might have been horrible and your cousins might have been horrible. Get all that stuff out. Get all the sin and all the pride and jealousy and envy. Get rid of all the stuff that's sinful, not pleasing God. Empty yourself out. He's still seeking the empty. And that's why you have so much value with God. In much the same way, He wanted Mary's body. He wants yours. He wants your body. And so does the devil. Listen to Pastor. God wants your body as a temple that he can dwell in. The devil wants to do whatever it takes to prevent that from happening. So think about it. Virtually everything the devil tempts us with is to destroy our body in one way or another so God can't get in it. That's the point. You'll notice... That when Jesus was born, the devil tried numerous times to kill his body. Through Herod, the devil tried to kill him when he was a baby. The devil tried to kill Jesus when he was in the wilderness with the devil for 40 days during temptation. The devil tried to get religious people to kill Jesus by stoning him. And on one occasion, they tried to throw him over a cliff. The devil tried to destroy Jesus through temptation and huge discouragement. Finally, they got him crucified. The world, sin, the devil seemingly won. He's crucified. Hell celebrated, watch. Finally, they killed his body. Now to get rid of the body. Put it in a tomb. Seal it up. Put guards around everywhere. Guard it. Make sure nobody fools with it. Hell is celebrating and having a party. But when the body died, hell sees the one who is of heaven, born of earth, walking through the corridors of hell, saying, give me the keys to eternal life. I want the keys of death, hell, and the grave, and give them to me. That same Jesus wants to live in all of us, but he needs you to be empty if you'll stand with me this morning watch this as i conclude have you ever thought about this right here hell after jesus resurrected it's like the devil gave up you don't see any more really attempts on jesus life it's like <laughs> can't do nothing with the dude man I, I killed him and he he popped right back up i don't mean that disparaging or disrespectful Jesus did something really unusual and caught hell by surprise. He got all of his disciples to meet him on top of the Mount of Olives, and all of a sudden, the devil just watches Jesus just go, and he's gone. He's like, "Well, I don't understand that right there. How did that happen? My word, Jesus is crazy. He went through all this stuff. Now he's leaving the planet. Maybe he's fed up with it all and I can have it all to myself. But what the devil didn't know and what he didn't understand... Is there's about, I don't know how many went, but I know how many stayed. In Acts chapter 2, the Bible said they were all with one mind and one accord, and the Holy Ghost fell, and now the devil is scratching his head and said, Oh my, what have I done? Now there's 120 Jesuses running around this planet. And if you fast forward this today, there's millions of Jesuses running around this planet. But it only works when He has an empty vessel. Jesus still has the oil, He has the power, He still has anointing. He just needs an empty vessel. So these people say that say, I have to get good to get God, no you don't, you just have to get empty. And that's why we repent. When you repent, you pour all of that out. And God forgives it. And then you go back there and we bury you in water. We immerse you in water. And all that's washed away. All your past, everything is washed away. Now you're empty. And this is where the value of an empty vessel comes into play. When you repent and you've been baptized, there's nothing there. And God just fills you up. The Bible said, out of His innermost being shall flow rivers of living water. This spake he of the Spirit, that they which believe on him should receive. Don't look with your eye and hear with your ear and touch with your hand. You're not, you're not going to get anywhere with that. You have to engage. Take what I've just preached and let your faith engage it. And say, God, I want to empty myself out today so you can fill me up. See, let me tell you folks something about the devil. He don't care. He'll go in anything he'll go in anything you have no value to him he manifested himself in a serpent he possessed a herd of pigs he has no discretion but god don't do that god don't want to waste your life and destroy your life and hurt your life god wants to make your life better he wants your life to be blessed and if you lift to yourself out he will Don't let the devil throw you away. Don't turn around and say, God don't love me. That's a bunch of hogwash. That's a lie the devil wants you to believe. You have more value than you can imagine. God has more use for your old battered, broken, bitter, shattered life than you can imagine. The value that you have before God right now is really based on your emptiness. Do you have room him so as they begin to play and sing softly as our custom is everybody come around the front everybody let's do this quick we got pulled pork and cake and all that waiting and they're ready but we're going to have time for Jesus first we're going to fill up on him before we go over there if you need something from the Lord today anything if you need anything from the Lord today he went through a lot of trouble he went through a lot of process to make all this happen And all you have to do in return for all of His sacrifice and all of His planning and all of His moving around and all of His strategy and fighting with the devil, all you have to do today is be empty. Y'all sing. That's so awesome. God, it's your breath and my lungs and now I'm bringing you my empty heart, my empty life, my empty spirit God, I'm empty, and I need you, and God, I want you, I desire you. God, I've been hurt. God, I've been burned. God, I may be bitter. God, I may be broken. I may be disillusioned. I may be afraid. I may be full of pride. Whatever it is, it don't matter. If you'll just empty yourself out for a moment, God will fill your life to overflowing.